everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of the Nothing But Locks podcast. I'm your host, Ali Melnicki, accompanied by my favorite co-worker, Robert Kowalski. How are you doing today, Robert? Ali, um, doing just fabulous. Uh, after what we witnessed yesterday, to be honest, uh, once that World Cup final was finished, uh, I was literally ready to go to bed because there was... I felt there was going to be nothing that was going to match the you know the mayhem and the excitement that I witnessed in that final between Argentina and France. But you know something, I was wrong. <laughs> what a yeah, Sunday! It was. I was obviously you remember I was at the Jets Lions game and the World Cup was on all the screens before a kickoff, so it was exciting to watch it in the stadium and. It was it was also kind of odd because it was as soon as Argentina literally kicked the final penalty to win the win the World Cup for them, it was just kind of everyone said yay, cheered, and then it was like okay, let's get to real football. So <laughs> it, was, it was a different reaction, but I had a good time. My brother, he's obviously a Lions fan. I had bet the under on that game because in New Jersey, you know, we can wager, so I was able to make a few bets. Uh, the under hit. So I was happy with that. Overall, I had a good week. I was 10 and five against the spread, a few bad beats, but uh, that's still, I will take a 10 to five week is one of the best weeks you could probably have. Got a good game, hopefully tonight with the Packers and the Rams probably would have been better if the teams were at their pinnacle. But anyway, Robert, we know I have a lot to talk about with our New York Giants. So before I get to that, let's uh, let's talk about the betting trends this week. How did cover? How did how did everyone cover? Was it better being the underdog this week, the favorite? What are we looking at? No doubt, Ali. After we watched the Giants beat the Commanders twenty to twelve on Sunday Night Football, uh, which they did as four point road dogs uh, and plus one seventy five on the money line game. Of course, stayed under the forty and a half post total that I closed. Favorites went seven and four straight up on Sunday, but dogs led seven, three, and one against the spread. Uh, the road teams led six and five straight up and split five, five, and one against the spread. Uh, totals uh, went over by just the game six to five. Yeah, it was an it was an exciting week. I know I did have a lot of upsets too. Again, I really took advantage of being able to bet New Jersey. I took the Jaguars. I had a nice three team parlay. I had the Jaguars covering, which they ended up winning. I had the Steelers uh, covering, which they ended up winning. I had the Bengals, which they won. I actually cashed in on a Bengals live line when they were down 17 nothing. I got them at plus 425 on the money line. So I really benefited off of that, um, which is good. It was nice having the ability to literally make a bet at the palm of my fingers again. But obviously, I don't do that every day. I'm not one of the one of the people that just bets to bet. I think that's the best advice I can give people that are looking into giving sports betting. It, it can be addicting, I know, but wait till you get a game that you really like, that you really feel confident on and make a bet. Don't just make bets to make bets. All right, well, let's get into the games. Obviously, I want to talk about our New York Giants, Robert. And again, it came down to the final drive last night where... It being late, I was literally standing the whole time trying to not to wake my parents and my daughter that were sleeping upstairs, but my Giants didn't make it easy. I know there was that controversial no call of pass interference. I understand that it did obviously look like pass interference, but I do want to emphasize, and I'm not just saying this because I'm a Giants fan, there are plenty of no calls that go all game. I get that was the one that gets highlighted at the end because it means the difference but you're always going to see no calls throughout the game. Anyway, aside from the no call, Robert, 
The Giants really impressed me last night because they took advantage of the red, the well, not the Redskins, the Commanders not conforming on defense. They had the perfect game plan where they were throwing a lot of short passes. Daniel Jones was getting the ball out as quick as could be. I don't think he got sacked once. I don't think there was ever a lot of pressure on him. They actually formulated a really nice game plan that gave, that played to the offensive strengths. They did enough to win. I thought it was about as good of an executed game plan as you could, given what you have on your roster. What did you think of it, Robert? Exactly. I'm glad you punctuated the the end there. It's 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 with what pieces they had remaining in this very very crucial game. Uh, you know, to have very high playoff implications, Ali. Uh, I mean, look, they were both just really pitiful on third down. The Giants converted 20%, and that was actually better than the Commanders, who only converted 10% of their third downs. Uh, obviously, those the two, two uh, the, there were two turnovers by the Commanders that the Giants took advantage of. The Giants held the ball well. Washington also did have that fourth down failure. Um, so the commanders didn't win yards 387 to 288 offensively and yards per play. Of course, uh, they did outrush the giants 159 to 128. Uh, and then, then there was the really incredible fumble return for a touchdown from Thibodeau. Um, it sure does look like the giants are playoff bound at this point. Yeah, that was exactly my reaction when I was talking on Twitter this morning, when I was just talking to some bitter commander's friends that I have that just want to keep emphasizing that pass interference call. Well, your win against Eagle, the Eagles a few weeks ago, commander's fans, was the benefit of a non-face mask call. So there are, there are plenty of games throughout the season where there's calls that go unnoticed. I'm not making excuses, but that's just how it goes. But let's get back to this because the commanders put themselves in this situation, Robert, where they were up and then they were they were up. They took a quick lead with a field goal. The Giants, like you said, came back with Thibodeau's touchdown. The Giants then scored another touchdown to go up 14 to three. The Giants really, I just thought, were the better team in this matchup. I, I felt like that Wink Martindale, too, on defense really even though the run game got off to a hard start for the commanders he really knew how to how to stop them he he applied pressure to Heineke when need be i didn't think Heineke looked impressive at all until that last drive where he was getting some wide open guys on blown coverages what did you think of the defensive plan robert i thought it was, it was as excellent as yep. they could possibly have uh look you you held your opponent to you know, less than two two touchdowns, and anytime you could do that, uh, you're you're really really getting the job done. And now it, it's on the offense, uh, you know, to come up with the necessary points and plays to come up and have some kind of success. That's exactly what happened there. So I thought that the Giants were, it, you know, they put together maybe one of their better defensive games of the year. Thibodeau, man, I and, yeah, I, when we had the, when the draft happened and again here i am i'm saying we like it's you know uh, look i'm a giants fan right get over it (laughs) (laughs) they when when we drafted thibodeau i said this 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 kid could really be special and man he was a terror yesterday he's the highlight of the defensive game yesterday for me yeah he was he i love his comment before the game that he said prime time is ready for him and he really proved it. He was just a force of nature. I never saw a Giants defensive player in years play with that passion, that hunger that he had last night. 
Landon Collins even had a few nice plays. It was good to see him back at a Giants uniform after all these years. But Thibodeau was the star of the game on both sides of the ball. He was, I think he had 12 tackles. He had that key. That was pretty much what shifted the game. When he when he not only caused the strip sack, but really just played the ball. And how many times do you see defenders, Robert, after they do a play like that, get a strip sack or something, they just start celebrating. They don't even know what's going on. Props to Thibodeau for really noticing he got the sack, going after the ball, scoring that touchdown, which he deserved. That guy was the number one, the number fifth draft pick. I think if I'm the Jacksonville Jaguars and I saw that game, they really made a mistake taking Trayvon Walker over him. Thibodeau looks like he's the real deal. I'm really excited to see him for a few years now. But with the Giants, we have the Minnesota Vikings coming up this week, Robert. And we'll talk more when we have our preview on Wednesday. But I know Minnesota's just coming off their epic comeback. Do the Giants have a shot this week at the Vikings? Yeah, no doubt they do. Uh, I mean, look, I had to set up a number, you know, and 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 set it right. And so when we opened up this game, uh, and of course we've got a huge slate of Saturday games as we enter, the, you know, the end of the uh, the football season. I opened up the Vikings a little short. Uh, we opened them up three at home with a total set to forty-seven alley. Uh, but it jumped to three and a half, and actually, there's already a four. Uh, and so, I mean, look, it, 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 it's what the market dictates, <laughs> and so that's where we're going to go with. But uh, yeah, Vikings already a four-point favorite, getting ready to host the Giants. And that doesn't surprise me. People were jumping all over the Vikings. I know the majority of betters are reactor betters. They saw the Vikings have that epic comeback against the Colts, which we'll talk more about later. But that I think that's that line to me speaks volumes for the Giants that there's a real good chance we upset them. We have said all year, I don't think the Vikings are as good as their record. I think the Giants match up very well against the Vikings. I think that if they get pressure on Kirk Cousins like they did with Taylor Heineke, if they force fumbles and everything, they put their offense in a favorable field position. I think that's a definitely a winnable game, and I'm not just reacting to based on the game what I saw with the Giants yesterday. If you asked me that even two weeks ago after they got blown out by the Eagles, I would have said the same thing. I think the Giants match up very well against the Vikings, but we'll get into that less next uh, a little a few more days. Anyway, Robert, before we move on to the next game, let's talk about Washington real quick. Do they have a shot for the wild card at that number seven seed? Or is this basically the Lions are the hot team? The Lions are going to come in and swoop up and get the final spot. Yeah, Ali, it's a great point. And again, this is the incredible nature that is the NFC East. Even with that loss, the commanders only dropped to seventh, actually, in the playoff picture for NFC. They're still ahead of the Lions and the Seahawks, with that tie being the difference between the seven and seven records of Detroit and Seattle. Uh, you know, and so that tie keeps them a half game up on them and just one behind the Giants, obviously, in the wild card race. So that's still, you know, obviously in their in their picture. So I think the commanders are in that unique situation where, you know, they're unlikely to run into a tie with any other team besides the Giants. Mm-hmm. So, you know, due to the tie and their record, Washington could still have the same number of wins as another team and still get the edge, of course, due to the tie and not an extra loss unless any of the other teams act to a tie the rest of the season, that being uh, Seattle and Detroit. So, of course, should New York and Washington wind up being tied at the end of the year, New York gets the tiebreaker, uh, and then no other tiebreakers will be applicable uh, since head-to-head is that first tiebreak. But, yeah, um, they're still alive. <laughs> yeah, I uh, 
I think they're alive, but I think the the rope is slowly starting to unravel with them. If you look, they have to face the Commanders on Christmas Eve. The Commanders have to face the 49ers on Christmas Eve. That's a loss. I don't care which way you look at it. They're not beating the <laughs> 49ers. They're not getting – I think Taylor Heineke is just going to get embarrassed by the 49ers defense. That's going to drop them. That's going to drop them further in the standings. They have to play the Browns on New Year's Day. I think that's a toss-up. The Browns are playing a lot better since Deshaun Watson came back. And then you have the Cowboys in Week 18. That Cowboys, I don't think, are going to rest their starters. There's a good chance the Cowboys are still going to have to compete, maybe against the Giants, for that top wildcard spot. So I could see the Commanders definitely losing two out of the next three. How about you, Robert? Yeah, I, I, I would say as well, uh, there's really – I mean, look, there, there's plenty that we can look at that's good for what they've done this year. But as you said, look, the, the time is quickly running out uh, on anybody. And Washington, obviously, uh, you know, they're at San Francisco. They're going to be a touchdown dog in, in the Bay Area. Hosting Cleveland is going to probably a pick them. And then ending the year at Dallas, you know, Cowboys are going to be at least a field goal favorite. So it's definitely against them now. Especially if you look at the Lions schedule, because I was talking with my brother the whole ride home yesterday. The Lions, they don't play another team that's above 500 the rest of the year. They have the Panthers this weekend, who the Panthers just lost to the Steelers with their backup quarterback. They have the Bears. The Bears are just looking for the best draft position they can get. And then they go and play the Lion, the Packers the last game of the season, which Aaron Rodgers might not even be starting by week 18. So I think it's fair to say the Lions have a good shot of winning outright. And in that case, the commanders have to win at least more than one game. Is that not correct? Yeah, absolutely. This is absolute madness. The Detroit Lions break them up. They're going to be at Carolina, three-point favorite on the road. Hosting Chicago in week 17, they'll be a, probably about a five-point favorite if I look at it right. And then at – so week 18, obviously, it's going to be a big difference if, if like you said, if it's Rodgers – or if it's love, but right now I'm counting on Rogers playing. And if it's that, that's the case, they're going to be a four point dog uh, in green Bay in week number 18. I think if it's love, we'll probably make it pick. Yeah. And I'm not even mentioning the Seahawks here because Seahawks, they have to go and play Kansas city this week. I think that their run is unfortunately done. I could be wrong, but I don't see them beating the chiefs anyway. Well, we talked enough about this game, so let's move on to the Bills and Dolphins from Saturday night. And this was just a fun game to watch, Robert. It didn't end till about midnight on the East Coast, but once <laughs> the snow started coming, it was a fun game to watch. So let me ask you this. This is a very, I should say, it's not really a simple question, but straightforward. Who's the better team out of these two teams? I, I, I Nothing has changed my opinion at all. Uh, you know, from the opening bell, uh, I, I still have Buffalo far the best. Uh, and, you know, after seeing the result, look, you know, it was, it was pretty much fireworks from the opening bell, you know, all the way down to the last play of the game where, uh, you know, both teams put up 400 yards of offense. I mean, Ali, you know, when we look at the, the, the yards per play, I mean, heck, the Dolphins still picked up 7.1 yards per play. The big difference, of course, is how many plays Buffalo ran they had 71 offensive plays to Miami's 57 uh Buffalo outrushed Miami 188 to 150 and you know basically you know to me this looks like the Dolphins need big big plays to compete with anybody right now Ali they do 
They do. I would say watching the game, even though the Dolphins came back, I thought that the Bills were getting a little sloppy. Uh. I still think the Bills are far superior, the better team. Whether they play in the playoffs, if they had to play in Miami or Buffalo, I would still give Buffalo the edge. I actually thought Buffalo looked like they were going to cover for a long time in the first half. They had a comfortable lead. Like I said, they seemed to get a little careless in the second half. But for me, Robert, this is still – let me ask you this. Who would you who would you trust more in a two-minute situation? You know, Would you trust Tua or Josh Allen? I know the obvious answer is Josh Allen, but – a caveat, he still has the tendency to fumble. I think he lost a fumble again on uh, on Saturday. Is Josh, Josh Allen's fumble still a concern for this team? I don't believe that it's going to be a concern. Uh, the, the, the longer the season moves on, the more consistent we're seeing an effort out of Buffalo. Now, look, it, it, this may foreshadow some playoff drama. And I'm glad you, men- you mentioned, Ali, the um, – the spread here. I mean, the Bills. You know, they are six and two. Um, you know, straight up in in the, in the last eight. Um, but they're two and six against the spread since right. that win at Kansas City. Those two teams are actually Kansas City and Buffalo. They're three twelve and one against the spread since the showdown uh, of Buffalo versus uh, of Kansas City. Um, you know, they're just not getting scoreboard distance anymore. Yeah, it's a little bit concerning concerning to me, but I would still say if Buffalo faced the Chiefs or the Bengals in the playoffs, I would still take either the Chiefs or the Bengals over them. I just still think that Josh Allen has a tendency to make a turnover, and I don't see the same thing with Pat Mahomes or Joe Burrow. I don't know if it's because Brian DeBall's not there anymore. Brian Dable's not there for Josh Allen anymore. But there's just still something, and he he almost threw at, threw the Lions game away a few weeks ago too. There's just still something that worries me about them. How about you? Fair, uh, very fair assessment. I think until I see something really critical, um, I I have them on par as as the best right there with Kansas City. So. Um, much like we take a look at how the, the playoff races are looking at, uh, you know, Dallas, Philly, San Francisco, I, I still have Buffalo, Kansas City, and, and, and Cincinnati right there. So um, not so much concerned about the, the offensive struggle as of this moment, despite them not covering uh, the number that we put out each, each and every week for this team. <laughs> And real quick before we move on to the next game, should the Dolphins be worried at all? Because this is their third straight loss, Robert. And this was a better loss. The other two against the Niners and the Chargers, I didn't think the Dolphins looked good at all. They didn't look great in the first half, but they did come back with a solid second half. Should the Dolphins be worried about their playoff hopes, or does the Jets' loss and the Patriots' loss yesterday just pretty much secure they're going to make the playoffs? Correct. That's exactly the latter. Once once I saw... Those losses, you know, and, and specifically how they affect uh, the division race, uh, I really don't have much more of a concern. And I've at this point carved in Miami into a playoff spot alongside with Buffalo out of the division. Um, despite uh, what, and I can go ahead, I'll just give a quick shout out to my very longtime friend, Greg Gorla, who's uh, just an incredible bookmaker onto his own, is in the business right now. He's, uh, He's based near Buffalo in upstate New York, almost Canada, if I like to say. 
Uh, and so he sees a lot of the Buffalo and uh, a, a lot of the fandom and a lot of discussion that went on around, around with Miami. And, uh, uh, you know, despite Buffalo fans thinking that um, uh, Dolphins are fish, uh, we'll, we'll go ahead and forget about that for a moment. Uh, I, I still think that we're going to see uh, you, you could go ahead and, and pave the highway for Buffalo and Miami into the playoffs this year. The only caveat about the Dolphins is they have the benefit if they do get that number one wild card, if they're the fifth seed in the AFC, then they would play, which looks like as of today would be Tennessee, the Titans. And I think that's the best matchup the Dolphins could get. Now, if you drop to that number six or number seven spot, though, Robert, you're going to probably have to face either the Bills, either the Chiefs or the Bengals. I think that they're doing themselves a disservice with all these losses because I believe right now they're tied with the Chargers record-wise, but the Chargers hold the tiebreaker. Should the Dolphins be concerned, though, if they don't get that number five wild card position? Uh, holy shit, actually, Ali, you make a great point. I don't – yeah, look, they definitely need to win out, right? And, and they, they're, they, they have some very challenging games ahead of them. But holy Christ, what about the number one seed in the AFC? I mean, we know that we're talking about Buffalo and their lack of, of of covering here. You think Buffalo could actually hold on for the number one seed here? I, I know you're probably showing a little uh, tentative support here for them. Uh, they, I mean, they hold the tiebreaker over Kansas City head to head. You know, depending on you know much else. Uh, I mean, they they've got they've got the Bears. They they play Bengals Monday night. Patriots at home. Uh, Bengals, by the way, and we, we talked a little bit about them. They play New England, uh, home to Bills, home to Ravens. Um, maybe that's going to be a pretty interesting race to see. Maybe Buffalo isn't going to be locked into that number one seed. I maybe don't that's going to actually play a little bit of a difference for Miami. It could. I don't think they beat the Bengals on January 2nd on that Monday night there game in Cincinnati. I really don't. I think that the Bills will win. Their, they'll beat the Bears for sure this weekend. I think they lose to the Bengals and they'll probably beat the Patriots of week 18, but the chiefs are going to get the number one seed. The chiefs has the easiest schedule. They don't play a team that's above 500 anymore. They have the Seahawks. That's a win. The Broncos is a definite win. And then you have the Raiders, the final week of the season, the chiefs are going to run away with it. They'll be a number one seed. The Buffalo bills are going to wind up probably either the two or the three. I would guess right now the three seed, because if Cincinnati does beat them, I think Cincinnati will have the tiebreaker if they finish with the better with, with the same record. So if I'm the Bills, th- that game against Cincinnati is the world. You need to have that number one seed, I think, if you're a Buffalo. You need to have home field advantage the rest of the way because uh, if you're playing against Cincinnati or Kansas City on the road come playoffs, I have to give the advantage to the home team. How about you? Man, uh, Kansas City Chiefs really do miss Tyreek Hill, don't they? Oh, gosh. Imagine we see the Chiefs and the Dolphins week one, <laughs> or at least in the divisional matchup, if not the wild card round. That would be a right, right. <laughs> well, let's move on to the Vikings and the Colts, which I, you and I just did disagree the other day. I did take the Colts plus four. You had the Vikings covering and winning. I mean, I must say, Robert, because this was another game I bet on. I, took, I didn't take the money line, but I took the Colts plus four. I thought when they had the 33-0 lead, this was a lock. I was actually kicking myself for not taking the money line. And then slowly, but slowly, but slowly and surely, the Vikings just came back and won that game. So we all know what happened. This is probably the second 
worst blown game for Matt Ryan. We all know what happened in the Patriots Super Bowl game. But is this more of a bad look for Jeff Saturday as the Colts interim head coach or for Matt Ryan? I Look, I don't want to give a hyper take on this. Okay, both both of them simply cannot be part of this franchise yep. in 2023 and beyond. Agreed. Um, look, we, we, we just... You know, the reaction obviously is overwhelmingly focused on you know how historic of a comeback it was to come back from thirty three nothing, you know. But I honestly think that the Colts' lead was really just very cheap, you know. Help, you know, they had the block punt return, uh, interception return for a touchdown. The offense was really kind of crappy all day, you know. You know, moving stalling for field goal attempts, which was kind of similar to. Uh, Jets and Vikings recently. I mean, look, Vikings obviously deserve credit, you know, for a really frantic rally, but it was kind of like a one-sided foot race where the faster team just stopped shooting itself in the ass. Yeah, I I think I a thousand percent agree with you. I know a lot of people were talking about the Vikings historic win. I thought it was more of a Chiefs historic <laughs> collapse. I I don't know how. I understand giving up two, three touchdowns to the Vikings. You're playing, you're you're having your defense play a little off the ball, just not wanting to give up the big plays. But when the Vikings turn this into a game being down only two scores with still like a whole quarter to go, I actually said it. I was like, the Vikings are going to end up winning this game. I think this just caps the Colts season as the ultimate disappointment you could actually name for any other team because they can even, even I would say over the Denver Broncos because the Colts, unlike the Broncos were one win away from going to the super going to the playoffs last year. They needed to win one of their last two games. They didn't, they put the scapegoat all on Carson Wentz, blamed him for losing it. They brought in Matt Ryan, who they said we just needed a serviceable quarterback. Well, you needed more than just Matt Ryan, who was absolutely a failure. You needed a lot more. Jonathan Taylor just didn't show up this season. I know he did deal with injuries, but even when he was healthy, he nowhere resembled his MVP self. So for the Colts, I think that this was more of a statement that their season, they just need to blow up that team. And I actually think that the Colts are in for a long rebuild, long few years of rebuilding than they are being contenders. Do you think that too? I, I agree as well. I mean, it was, everything looked really sunny for their forecast for this season. And uh, you look, clearly they had, they, they just picked the wrong pieces and it failed miserably. So uh, you got to build from from literally step number one, and that's putting together uh, an administration that that knows how to run a franchise successfully. I'm going to say this once, and I'm not going to say it again un- until every coach is fired and hired on Black Monday. If I don't see Eric Bieniemy as a head coach, I might be done with this entire league. Yeah, I mean, he's been interviewing for years. I don't know if he just makes bad interviews, but for some reason, teams have just been hesitant to give him the reins. So I agree with you. I think that this is finally the year, though, he will get hired. You sure have a lot of other strong candidates. I know D'Amico Ryan of the Niners. He's done a fantastic job with that defense. He should be one of the leading candidates as well. Real quick, before we highlight our final game, Robert, I know the Vikings play the Giants this week, but was this comeback a momentum boost? Or is that just something we play up in the newspapers? Because we rem- we remember the last Minnesota miracle when Case Keenum threw that ridiculous pass to Stephon Diggs. And then they went into the NFC Championship game and just got completely blown out by the Eagles. Is this a momentum boost or it's just kind of a feel-good one-day thing? 
And now it's back to work and Minnesota might be headed for more disappointment. What do you think? I think that this definitely is a momentum boost. Uh, anytime a, a, a team can rally together and just forget about the clock and forget about what's what's in front of them and, and the scoreboard and just keep putting together successful drive after successful drive only to you know bring it to overtime and pick up the win, that's definitely one to build on. Heck, I could only imagine what that ride home was like for Kirk Cousins and what kind of amulet he was wearing on his chest. With <laughs> this victory, because it it's it, it definitely was a rallying cry. I I think that this definitely is going to help them and boost them as they move towards the end of the year. I don't know if I agree with that because I always said I think momentum is vastly overrated. You even saw last year when the when the Chiefs beat the Bills in that epic game, they just fell flat the following week in the AFC Championship game against the Bengals and blew the league. I don't think that this carries over. Don't forget when they still have to sit through a whole week. I think if anything, the Giants feel a little more better about themselves because they were losing for so long. And then now they got the win that gives them a little more confidence. I think Minnesota just being good all year. The fact that you almost got embarrassed by one of the worst teams in the league and had to come. I don't know if I feel great about that because you still put yourself in that big of a hole to begin with. And again, this is one of the worst teams in football. So I actually don't think it's that big of a momentum boost. I think the spread is saying it all. I know already. I talked to friends that think that the four point spread with the giants and the Vikings is way too low, that the Vikings should be seven plus point favorites. But again, I don't think that this Vikings team is going to respond the way public betters think. I think that the giants will play them close, hopefully pull out the upset. I'm going to speak as a fan and say, hopefully pull off the upset. But I think it's going to be a good game. Anyway, let's move on to the last game I want to highlight, and that's the Jaguars and the Cowboys. Jaguars plus three were one, was one of my favorite picks of the week. I actually wrote in my best bets blog that I was expecting the Jaguars to pull off the win. Why I, I still took the points, though. I always take points when I get a home team uh, getting points. But, Robert, the, can the Jaguars actually make the playoffs? Because they're only one game behind Tennessee. Are they getting hot at the right time and will eventually overtake Tennessee and win that division? What do you think? This was super wild. This was the one game that we really got hammered on from a bookmaker's perspective. All the Sharks were on the Jaguars yep. all week long. And obviously with the overtime win, I mean, look, they racked up 500 yards on the Cowboys. Uh, th- you know, Think about this. The Jacksonville Jaguars put 500 yards up on the Cowboys. And uh, if, if that's not enough, I mean, look, from, from a point spread perspective right now, the past two weeks, Ali, but, you know, the juggernauts, uh, we've been talking about them last month, Buffalo, Kansas City, the Eagles, the, the Dallas, they're combining one in seven against the spread right now the past two weeks. Huh. You know, all, you know, you know, they can win the routes when opponents suffer turnovers. Uh, but they're all capable of erratic play themselves, you know, in, in a way that that will derail Super Bowl runs at some point to somebody. Um, to, to come back to the Jaguars, absolutely. They are playing mistake-free. Lawrence has is, is carved himself a, a huge, long, decade-long career for, for Jacksonville. So as long as he stays healthy, uh, they are red hot right now. Um, and, and they're exciting to watch. It's it's fun to see the Jacksonville Jaguars, you know, put up all these points. Uh, so absolutely, Ali, I agree. They are red hot right now at the right time. 
I think though, Robert, and correct me if you disagree, but they do play this, they do play the Jets Thursday night. That's a very short turnaround. I think that could be a trap game for sure. What do you think? I'll tell you right now, uh, the Jets as hosts on Thursday, they're going to have to put up with the same short week as Jacksonville. Well, I put this game up as pick and it still hasn't moved. I might have to go with the Jets on this game. This just seems like the ultimate trap game. The Jacksonville Jaguars. <laughs> are sitting on the Jets have just been losing what three straight. Yeah. Yes. I, I think that this, I think the Jaguars lose on Thursday night. I hate to say it, but I think what plays in their favor is Tennessee still has to play the bills. Tennessee still has to, I think the bills, they, but they do have to play the Cowboys. I think Tennessee does lose to the Cowboys. Yeah, they don't play the Bills. The, the Titans will beat the Texans this weekend. I think they lose to the Cowboys. And then that last game, Robert, Titans-Jaguars week 18, that could that could make or break them. That could be the that could be the icing on the cake. Actually, if the Jaguars lose this week and the and the Titans win, then they find themselves at two and two games out. So this is a big game for the Jaguars, and we'll talk more about that on Wednesday. All right. Well, quickly, too, before we move on to our next segment, Robert, this is the second straight week the Cowboys struggled. They almost got beat by the Texans last week. They needed a miraculous comeback at the end to do it, and then they lost in overtime to the Jaguars. Are we starting to see the weakness in the Cowboys' armor? Have they been exposed? What do you think? They they have, Ali. Uh, tell you, Cowboys fans are having a really rough December. Uh, first off, they almost lost to the Texans, like you said. You know, they, and of course, this loss against the Jaguars in overtime. Anthony Davis, offensive tackle Anthony Davis, is going to be out for a month, right? And now with the Cowboys' loss, the Eagles just need to win one of their last three games to secure the one seed in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> in a one-week span, the Cowboys went from signing Odell Beckham and T.Y. Hilton to losing to the Jaguars. Uh, and giving up 500 yards there, I don't, I don't know. Right now, it's honestly they're they're looking they're looking on the wrong side of the track right now. And I mean, look, the 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 biggest of games is coming up for them on Saturday on Christmas Eve. Yep. Um, I've been dancing between one and a half and two all week. Cowboys a very very short favorite, uh, and I mean the shortest of favorites. I wanted to stick this at one. Uh, because I have these two teams, the Eagles and Cowboys, tied uh, in my power rank. I have them dead even on a neutral. Uh, so this kind of you know fits in with the narrative of the point spread coming out for Saturday's game. And I do actually like the Cowboys, though, but I, I do agree. I think that they have been exposed. I think they're vulnerable. I think they might be a one-game one playoff run again. It depends who they face, because if they do face the winner of that NFC South, then they'll be gifted pretty much a win because I don't even think a team from the NFC South deserves to get a playoff game, but they will. Anyway, though, I do like the Cowboys this week against the Eagles, but again, we'll talk more about that on Wednesday. All right, well, those are the four big games from this past week that I wanted to highlight. There were many more I could have picked from, but those had the most meaning when it comes to playoffs and everything, so those were the four I suggested. All right, Robert, here's our next segment. We obviously have Christmas coming up this week. So this segment's called, What Do You Want for Christmas? Easy enough. I'm going to name <laughs> uh, I'm gonna name a team that's a borderline playoffs 
they're in contention, but they're not quite there yet. And I'm going to ask you, what are these teams, if they could have anything for their for Christmas this weekend for their games, what would they have? Are you ready? <laughs> anything? Okay, and, good. Let's go. All right, and we'll start off with the Tennessee Titans. What do they want for Christmas that they can have for the rest of the season? Oh, my God. Uh, get out of the AFC. <laughs> <laughs> They're in the wrong conference. Uh, no, okay. Uh, change of quarterback. Uh, I think Tannehill's finally uh, reached the end of his gas tank, and I, I don't, I don't know if it's going to help any. Uh, you know, going to their backup, but they, they definitely need a change of quarterback, in my opinion, uh, if they're going to make a playoff run of any significance. That's what they should be asking for from Santa. I would say they would somehow get on the phone with Odell Beckham Jr. and convince him to sign with them and to hurry up and get ready because they are missing that number one receiver since A.J. Brown left. So I think that Tannehill is a lot to blame, but they really don't have much to throw to. All right. Next one, Robert. What do the Jacksonville Jaguars want for Christmas? Oof. uh, Just maintain their consistency. They're one game out now. And if – they had this kind of effort in the last three weeks that they had in like the first seven, they'd be on top of the division. It's insane. So um, please Santa, give us some more consistency. I agree with you. That was my exact answer before you said it consistency. All right. (laughs) What do the new England Patriots want for want for Christmas? Good Lord above. What was that film session like last night? Um, this is going to be, you know what? Tom Brady circa 2010 after his knee surgery. Uh, I, I don't, I don't know what's they've, they've completely unraveled. And I don't know if, if I mean, Mac Jones, he looked, know, maybe, Mac maybe, Jones. maybe because he had so much success in his first month. That's what, you know, everyone just kept building up, but I, I just don't think he's good. No, and I would say they want Bailey Zappi to come back and be the same quarterback that won them a few games this year because it's not Mac Jones, that's for sure. All right, next team, Robert, what do the New York Jets want for Christmas? Um, Two things, and they're both in the quarterback room. Number one, uh, titanium ribs from Mike White. Yep. And... (laughs) And uh, for Zach Wilson to uh, find someone to marry and stop dating. (laughs) I'm not even going to try to compete with that one. That's perfect. (laughs) I will say the stadium was not friendly to Zach, Zach Wilson yesterday when I was there, they, they, the the booze came quick and hard on him. (laughs) He didn't have a bad game. Well, so I thought more about this game. He did have a good game on paper, but a lot of those throws, Robert, if you had a team with a decent secondary that wasn't the Detroit Lions, the, he could have had easily three picks in that game. Like, he was just floating some balls up in the air. Like, he he is not good. He is not a good quarterback. Ali, as an aside, I, I, I forgot to mention this at the top. Obviously, the state of Jersey has sports betting legalized and pretty much as many platforms as can afford it are doing business there right now. But there's no... Um, counter or kiosk or any kind of a uh, a retail uh, perspective for sports betting at giant stadium is there no there's not a giant stadium i do know at the at mammoth park racetrack which isn't far from my house that's where 
I developed my love of horse racing. They do have kiosks and everything there, but none, none, none that at least that I saw at the at East Ruth in East Rutherford. So no. Okay. But they should have it. That would be a good one because I know I know I even though I bet online, I'm still old school. I like to have a ticket now and then. So that's yeah, if it's legal, I definitely would do it. I know there's a lot of you know a lot of liberal laws that are being passed right now. That's probably one that uh, should be revisited if it hasn't been done yet. Absolutely. All right, let's move on to the next team, Robert. What do the LA Chargers want for Christmas? Oh my God, uh, be more Southern California, guys. Uh, everyone, everyone gets uh, uh, fresh, cold press green drinks every day for the for the rest of the season. Stay healthy, uh, and with that health is going to bring good fortune. Uh, that's all I want for the Chargers right now. <laughs> Yeah, I would just say a clean slate of health because they seem to just yes. get from time to time when they don't need it. So just stay healthy. I agree with that one. All right, final one, Robert. What do the Detroit Lions want for Christmas? Man, oh, man. Look, you guys, simply put, you know, they just need to finish ahead of the Commanders and the Seahawks you know, to earn that final NFC playoff spot. I mean, there's other less likely scenarios that could play itself out, but that's where we stand. Um, you know, Detroit goes 3-0 and down the stretch, and the Commanders and Seahawks only need to lose one more each for them to make it in. Um, boy, uh, I, I guess let's just, just go and, and, and keep giving a, a nice, fresh bowl of lucky charms to Jared Goff. This is now seven straight seven. I'm sorry, six straight weeks. I counted wrong. Uh, no interceptions. Uh, absolutely perfect football from the quarterback position. Uh, stay consistent there. They're going to be in every single game. They, the defense just needs to hold their own. And if they could do that, they've got this thing down. I can't believe it. Yeah, I think just no mistakes is is what they could yeah. this because they have a tendency to blow leads. And they could easily probably have three or four more wins if they didn't make mistakes. All right. Well, that is our Christmas segment. I want to wish everyone an early happy Christmas or happy Hanukkah, whichever you celebrate. But moving on to our buy or sell segment, which is always the most popular of the week. You ready, Robert, for this one? (laughs) As ready as I can be. I have no idea what's coming. So, yes, give me all the buy and sell. All right, buy or sell, Jalen Hurts will play his way out of the MVP race in the next two games. Uh, He did look a little icky yesterday. Okay, I don't think that he's going to play his way out. So, But I think he's going to get caught out. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if that's maybe buy and sell. So I'll I'll give you that. I honestly think that he's not going to play his way out, but he is going to get caught yeah, I'm going to buy this one because I think that Joe Burrow's on a tear. And especially if Joe Burrow beats Buffalo and somehow gets the Bengals to the number one seed, which I don't think he will because I think the Kansas City Chiefs will have the one seed. But I think Pat Mahomes' stock is still rising as well. Both the Chiefs and Bengals had a much tougher schedule than the Eagles. I just think that there is a good chance that definitely Mahomes will maybe Burrow will overtake Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts, he he did he had a comment at the end of the game yesterday where he was just not into the Chicago weather and complained about how it was too windy, too cold. It's it's like, dude, that's football. Like You have to suck it up and do it. If you want to be the MVP, you need to play in that weather. 
And I know he still rushed for three touchdowns yesterday, but he didn't look great throwing in the air. And this Robert was against a Bills deep uh, against a Bears defense that's terrible. And he he was throwing interceptions and everything. So I think that if he struggles against the Cowboys this weekend, and if I I think if the Cowboys beat them, which I do think they will, I think then there's a very good chance Jalen Hurts will not be named the MVP. All right, next one, Robert, buy or sell? Dan Campbell will win Coach of the Year. You know, man, this guy, he he just I, I really do enjoy watching him. I, he's just such a such a a burly just leader. Um look, I, I really like him, but I'm I'm gonna sell. I still I still think this goes clearly to to Nick Sirianni. Yeah, I do like Dan Campbell a lot. I think that he will get the the Lions into the playoffs. I know that because my brother's a Lions fan. Lions fans love Dan Campbell, so they couldn't be more happy with their head coach. Yes, he does make mistakes now and then, but he has that gritty grind it factor that that just speaks Detroit to you. So I think he will get a lot of votes. I think he will be like Brian Dable and get a lot of votes as well, but agreed with you. I think Nick Sirianni will end up getting the coach of the year. All right, next one, Robert. Buy or sell. Jacoby Myers' botch play will cost the Patriots the playoffs. Can I buy and sell? Sure. Um, I think I think New England can potentially lose all three games coming wow. down the stretch. And and because of that, I don't think what what happened yesterday and if you haven't seen what happened at the end of the game in the city that shall not be discussed. What are you doing? What what rock are you under? <laughs> that was completely insane. Um, I, I I really do think the Patriots could lose all three, so it won't even matter what happened yesterday. Yeah, I think that this was we talked about a momentum boost for the Vikings. I don't even think that this is a momentum bust. This is just you had a chance to win. And you blew it in the most unlikely way possible. I think that the Patriots are still just in shock from what happened. I don't know if Mac Jones is still recovered from that stiff arm that Chandler Jones. <laughs> that was just totally ridiculous. I agree with you. The game, losing the game, I think, just solidified they're not making the playoffs. But it's not just because of Jacoby Myers. Mac Jones didn't look good all game. He hasn't looked good for a few weeks. I agree with you that this is a buy or sell sample. All right, Robert, next one, buy or sell. Ryan Tannehill will not be the Titans starter next season. Um, I am buying so hard. I'm buying my shares. I'm buying your shares. I'm buying Mark Thomas's shares. I'm buying all of the shares of this. I, I don't think that Tannehill's he's, – he's probably going to catch on as a backup someplace else, but only as in that capacity. So, you know, whether they go with with Willis, you know, who, you know, obviously – you know, it's going to have to do a, you know, a quite a quick learning curve or or the plethora of talent that's going to be out there. There's going to be a mad dash to um, uh, to get Garoppolo. There's going to be so many options out there to get better, and I, I just don't see Tannehill as part of the picture for Tennessee next year. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I think he, especially if they don't make the playoffs, he's definitely not returning. All right, final one, Robert, buy or sell? Cliff Kingsbury will be the next head coach fired this season. Oof. Uh, oh, boy. Um, tough, tough, tough. Um, so he's definitely on the Black Monday list, mm -hmm. right? I, I definitely see him out on Black Monday. 
Uh, so whether he's the first one on the list to be revealed, uh, it, it's going to be kind of like rolling bones. Um, but he's absolutely on Black Monday's list. Uh, so I'm going to just, uh, I'll say bye here on this one. Yeah, I uh, there's definitely going to be other coaches that are fired as well. But Cliff Kingsbury is obviously going to be the biggest name to be fired, I think, on Black Monday. And it really isn't his fault this season. The Cardinals, we knew it was a shit show coming into the year. I think the front office didn't do him any help with the whole Kyler Murray situation. I think Murray should take a lot of the blame. I know he got hurt last week, suffered a season-ending injury, so I don't want to totally just blast him while he's hurt. But Kyler didn't do the team any favors. I think Cliff did all he that he could given the roster, but he's unfortunately going to get the axe. It doesn't look like him and Kyler Murray see eye to eye anyway, so it might be best for both parties. All right. Well, that is our episode for today. Robert and I will be back on Wednesday to recap, not all, well, to give our predictions for all the games this weekend. We have a ton, ton, ton of great matchups, especially on Christmas Eve. Obviously, my Giants play the Vikings. I'm really looking forward to that. Um, that's going to be, I believe, the first game of the day. So I will be sitting in front of the TV with a nice beer in my hand watching it, hopefully not throwing that beer at the wall less than 20 minutes into <laughs> the game. But that's my giants for you. That's always what happens. All right, Robert, before we sign off, any thoughts or advice for the audience? Oh, uh, Ali, yeah. Look, everybody, please uh, follow us on Twitter at uh, Nothing But Locks, the podcast at our podcast network. You can follow me at Robert C. Kowalski on Twitter. I'm not going anywhere as much as a mass exodus might be happening. Uh, I'm sticking around because that's where I get all of my information and gambling Twitter. Really nothing much like it. And uh, let us know in the comments, uh, uh, you know, is there something that you'd like to have covered? Might you have a question that you like for Ali to answer? Uh, you know, hop on board and, you know, let us know what you guys think. And uh, just really glad to be here as we enter uh, the last couple of episodes of 2022. Yeah, it's going to be in January. We'll mark a year since this podcast has been live. It's been such a great success, Robert. I really enjoy every week jumping on with you and having a few episodes. I know we mentioned it to the audience before. We've never met in person yet. I know it's going to happen. No, we <laughs> I know Robert owes me a bottle of wine from a few weeks ago, <laughs> but... I am looking forward to meeting Robert this year. I know it's going to happen with our company, so we'll probably have a get-together. And yeah, Robert, it's been truly a pleasure being on this podcast with you. We're already at episode 86. I know you say it all the time, but it does feel like I'm sitting right next to you. And you and I could go on and on for hours and hours, but we're kind of limited to 45 minutes to an hour. So I just want to appreciate and thank you for joining me every week on this podcast. That's a pleasure. And likewise, Ali, pleasure and honor. Looking forward right. to uh, joining once again come Wednesday. Yes, that's going to be a good one. Well, take care, everyone, and have a great week. <laughs>